If your Bible turn to Matthew chapter 2, once you get there, you will recognize the story, very familiar. We're continuing our study on biblical worship, and I emphasize biblical because a lot of worship today is not biblical. It doesn't honor God. Matthew chapter 2, we'll read the first two verses, and skip down to verse 9 through verse 11. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Skip down to verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, They rejoice with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw their young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh. I realize this is a story we often look at during Christmas season, and there's nothing wrong with it because it's certainly about the birth of Christ, or it involves that. But as we look at this tonight, I want to remind all of us, while we appreciate that time of year, and I realize we don't really know the exact birth day of the birth of Christ, but we celebrate His coming into our world. Our focus is not on that in this series. Our focus is on worship. For the last couple of weeks, we were in Deuteronomy 26, and it was there that God speaks about what we know now as the Feast of the First Fruits. And he told Israel, when you get into the land, the promised land, the land you've been traveling for 40 years to reach, you will get there. And God says, when you get there, you're to worship me by giving back to me. So remember, worship is giving something to God. And when God says giving back to me, that tells me that we give God what he's already given us. And we're looking at the sacrifice of biblical worship. So God told them, take the things that he had given them, the land, the crops, those things that God had provided for them. And God said, I want you to bring me a gift. And I want you to worship me for my grace and my blessings. Are you glad for God's grace tonight? How about his blessings? 
But here in Matthew chapter 2, God gives us what I believe is another glimpse of worship through giving. Another glimpse of worship through giving. And I hope we realize that what these magi did here in Matthew 2 is something we ought to be about every day of our life. Giving back to God. And again, looking here not from the perspective of Christmas, but from the perspective of worship. Giving back to God. In this story of the wise men, and it's a true story, by the way, we watch them worship the Lord. And as we make our way through these verses, we will see certain characteristics of worship that ought to be true in our lives if we're going to worship biblically. And there are several of them in this chapter. And Lord willing, tonight and next week, we're going to work our way through them. The first thing about their worship in verse 2, it was intentional. Look what it says. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. Notice it, the last part. And are come to do what? To worship him. The only reason they came. The sole purpose was the purpose of worship. We have seen his star. And we have come to worship Him. Now I realize in the Christmas stories that we think about are the pageants, the plays the children put on. We always think of three wise men, three magi. We don't know how many there were. They gave three different gifts. That doesn't mean there were just three. It doesn't matter. They came for one purpose. And that is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship was why they left their homeland. Worship is why they made that long journey. Worship was why they brought their gifts. They came intentionally to worship the Christ child. And if you'll notice, everything they do in this passage, as we travel through these verses in Matthew 2, everything they did Worship was at the heart of it. They came intensely to worship. They had their hearts set on one thing. We have come and we are coming before the Lord Jesus and we are coming to worship Him. Now, I don't know. I do realize eternity is a long time, but if I get the chance, I'd like to sit down and talk to those guys. Tell me about the journey. How long did it take? I know you came from the east. But the thing that thrills me the most about you fellas, you came for one reason. That's to worship Jesus Christ. 
You traveled all that way. And I believe that you and I, our worship ought to be intentional. And hear me well. Worship does not just happen. It must be intentional. We need to come to God's house. We need to approach God in prayer with worship on our hearts. Lord, we have come to worship you. When we open up his word in our daily Bible reading, we do that and we're seeking him in the spirit of worship. We want to know more about you. So again, worship is not something that just happens. It's something we set our hearts on. It ought to be something we're seeking when we come to God's house. And it should be something that motivates us. I don't have the verses in my notes tonight, but it came to my mind. Solomon, in Ecclesiastes 5, warns us to guard our step as we approach the house of God. I think the warning is clear because we go there to worship, and I believe that Satan will do anything he can to keep us from worshiping. Anything at all. So first of all, their worship was intentional. Second of all, their worship was volitional. Look again in verse 2. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. I can only speak for yourself and it amazes me that some of the words that I use, I, I thought today, what does the word volitional really mean? I know it involves a will, okay? So I googled it this afternoon as I was going back through this, my notes. And one of the dictionaries, just sort of in a plain, simple way, said, volitional means you do it on purpose. Good definition. It's a matter of the will. You make that choice. It is a volitional choice. And so they came, the purpose was a worship, but it was an act of their own wills. Now, listen to me, folks. <clears throat> they didn't take a Greyhound bus. Uh, what's those, they didn't take one of those trains they have, to, what they call them, uh, Amtrak. It was a long, difficult journey. And in my opinion, the reason they didn't turn back is because they already made the choice. On purpose. Nobody forced them. No one made them bring those gifts and give them to Jesus. Nobody made them bow down before the Lord in worship. It was simply an act of their will. They did it on purpose. We have come to worship That being said, our worship ought to be an act of our will as well. It needs to be volitional. 
We ought to determine in our hearts that we will not just go through the motion of worship. And I've got to tell you, I've done that before. But that's not what God is pleased with. We ought to make a decision in our hearts, a choice of our will, that we are going to set our hearts on the task of loving the one who died for our sins on Calvary. We made the choice to come to worship him. We ought not sing because everybody else is singing. We shouldn't just bow our heads in prayer just because it's time to pray. We shouldn't open our Bible just because it's time for a sermon. And we shouldn't just go to church because it's time to go to church. We ought to make a choice. Do it on purpose. Determine in our hearts that when we come to worship, every song, every prayer, every sermon, every deed, every day, every breath is going to be an act of supreme worship to the one who gave so much for us. Worship designed to glorify our Redeemer and our great God, our Savior Jesus Christ, Lord. John four twenty three and 24, you know the verse. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father, how? In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So their worship was intentional. It was on purpose. It was volitional. The third thing about that worship, it was personal. Go to verse 11, chapter 2 of Matthew. And when they, the wise men, the magi, were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They did not allow others to worship for them. Their worship was personal. They involved self in worship. In verse 2, they came. Verse 2, they came a great distance. Verse 2, they came by faith. In verse 10, they rejoiced when they found him. In verse 11, they humbled themselves before him. In verse 11, they laid their gifts before him. It was personal. Their worship involved self, and they involved all the self they possessed in their worship. Here we are for you, Lord. I am convinced that you and I, our worship needs to be personal. It really, really 
does. Every year in Columbus, in the month of June, we hold our state meeting. And every conference has a delegate they send to represent your conference, our conference, whoever conference you're in, on the general board. And they go there and they have the meeting the day before the actual uh, business meeting of the whole uh, state. And they vote on issues, budgets, things like that. But every once in a while, they someone can't go. And uh, some years ago now, uh, whoever it was in our conference could not go. So they called me and asked me would I be a proxy for them. So I went, and uh, they identified me not as the normal one who would vote, but proxy. I was voting for someone else. And that's okay in that situation. But I think there are a lot of folks in the churches of today we live in, they try to worship by proxy. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, they let other people do the singing. They never lift their own voice in praise of their king and their savior. They let others testify. They never say anything in public to give God praise for his grace and his mercy in their lives. They let others give. And they never experience the blessing you can receive for investing in the Lord. They miss it. They let others work. They let others preach and teach. And they never get more involved than just coming and sitting in a pew. And for a lot of them, they only come when it's convenient. And they worship by proxy. I want to say tonight, folks, genuine worship is personal. It's me and God. It's you and God. And and I don't know what God has done for you. But I do know what He's done for me. I know how He's blessed my life. I know the gifts He's given me that I don't deserve, not even one of them. And I know that I'm not worthy, but I know He is. I know the times He's moved my mountains. Cheryl's sister came in this morning. She said, look at my shirt. It said, faith that moves mountains. I mean, no, God can do that. And I know he's done that. I know about the time he's come by and uh, through, the, through the Spirit or through his Word, and he breathed new life into my heart. I know the time he's come alongside when I'm discouraged, and he's encouraged my heart. I know about his grace. I know about his mercy. And I know about his glory. I know these things about God and so much more. And the least I can do is to worship Him. 
we have come to worship. It was personal. Hebrews 13, look at verse 15. <clears throat> By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Aren't you glad that when Jesus died on Calvary, he died once for all? And when the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary, the need for blood sacrifices was over. Thank God. Finally over. But you and I, as children of God, we have a sacrifice that we must and we can bring it continually to God. And the Bible calls it here in Hebrews 13, verse 15, a sacrifice of praise. And I find it interesting now, although God does not require a blood sacrifice, He wants us to offer ourselves. Offer ourselves. Make it personal. Not animals. But we're to offer ourselves as living sacrifice. A living sacrifice before God. And that means we are to daily put aside our own desires every day of our lives so we can follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do this not because we have to. We do it because we want to, showing our gratitude that God has taken our sins away. And we do this not through the blood of an animal. We do it through Jesus Christ because He alone makes our sacrifice of praise acceptable before God. And i got to tell you, folks, one of the greatest joys of my walk with God is knowing He accepted me. I can offer a sacrifice of praise with my lips. And as we continually offer this sacrifice of praise, we are confessing His name. And when we do that, we are showing, Lord, You've done so much for me, I'm going to be loyal to You. It is personal. Worship is personal. Paul says something about this sacrifice in Romans 12. You know the verses, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present, notice this, your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Under the Old Testament economy, 
there were only certain places the Israelites could offer sacrifices. And if they were going to sacrifice, they had to go there. But my friend, the sacrifice we offer, we can do it all the time, anywhere. A sacrifice of praise. Sacrificing ourselves. Presenting our bodies. A living sacrifice to God. Hosea 14. God is speaking primarily, initially to the nation of Israel. And he says this. Take words with you. And return to the Lord. And say to him. Take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously. For we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Now think about this. As we consider everything God has done for us, how can we not offer the sacrifice of praise? God has been so good to us. And when the Bible speaks about a sacrifice of our lips, it refers to a real heartfelt love and confession of faith. We love God and we are confessing our faith in Him. And a sacrifice of praise today will certainly include giving Christ the thanks for His sacrifice on the cross, but also telling others about it. I will never get over the fact that when the women came to the tomb and they found that Christ had risen from the dead, Jesus said, in effect, you have come to see, now go and tell. Tell the world what you have seen. And my friend, we need to tell the world what Christ has done for us. Psalm 135, the first six verses. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for God, for the Lord is good. Sing praise unto His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for a peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that he did in heaven, and in earth, and the seas, and all the deep places. It is intentional. It is volitional. Worship is personable. The fourth thing is worship can be confrontational. Look at verse 3. Matthew 2. When Herod the king had heard these things he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. It's clear to me there are things going on that we are not told of in the Scriptures and we don't need to know. But somehow, the word spread. There are these men, how many ever there were, that have traveled from the east and have come to worship the one who was born king of the Jews. 
Now don't miss this. These wise men, they came to worship Jesus for who he is. Think about that. To worship the one born king of the Jews. It is sad today in our culture. People go to church and try to form a savior to worship that they want. We've got to worship him for who he is. But when we do that, when we claim that Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory, when we claim that he's the king of kings, when we claim that he's the only way to heaven, people don't like that. I was listening to a clip just the other day, and I can't remember the sports figure. Very well known. And they were interviewing him. And they began to talk about how Jesus Christ had made a difference in his life. And all of a sudden the interviewer said, we have to go to another segment. The world doesn't want us to worship Jesus. Talk about God all you want. And people do. They talk about him in generic terms. But my friend, there's only one true God. And Jesus Christ is also that God. So not everyone was pleased by the worship of these wise men. The scripture is very clear that not only was Herod troubled about this, but all of Jerusalem. Now, first of all, understand something. Herod, his position was, I'm the king here. I'm the one you ought to bow down and worship. But nowhere in this text do we read that those men, how many ever they were, bowed down to worship Herod. You know why? They didn't come to worship him. So all of a sudden now, their worship become confrontational. And Herod was troubled. I mean, the audacity of these men coming to Jerusalem to worship another king. Now, again, we're not told all the ramifications here, if I can say the word. But I do think that one of the reasons Jerusalem was troubled, because they knew if Herod wasn't happy, nobody going to be happy. He'll take his wrath out on everybody around. And we know that's how it played out. So they didn't come to worship Herod. But what I also find interesting, they didn't come to worship in the temple. They came for one purpose. And that purpose was a bow at the feet of the Christ child and worship him. That's why they came. Now, you and I know, 
He was not just a baby. He was a baby who is the eternal God. A baby who is the Lord of kings, the Lord of lords, and he deserved to be worshipped. doesn't matter who you are. When we come to a place in our lives where we give our whole heart in worship to the Lord Jesus Christ, we will offend some people. It'll be confrontational. When Pam and I were talking to my dad the other night about his soul, I needed to remind myself, and I had to remind him, I cannot explain to someone else sufficiently how that you have to have that relationship to understand God. To understand why he would die for your sins. To understand why he would even love us. And whether it's my dad or any other unsaved person, they simply don't understand why we love Jesus like we do. And they can't. Until they know him. Not everyone in our world thinks that he's worthy of that kind of love. So our songs, our tears, our shouts, our testimonies, the way we express our love for Jesus Christ, the way we obey him will bother some people. Well, I have several words for them. In fact, four words. Let them be bothered. How can I not worship him? Because the Lord that you and I serve, folks, he is worthy of worship. He is worthy of our praise. And yes, it will be confrontation. Yes, people will not like us for that. We will offend some. But I want to tell you what, he's worthy of all the praise we can give him and so much more. So much more. Revelation chapter 5, look at verse 9 through 14. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. And John said in verse 11, I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb! Worthy is the Lamb 
that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, and strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as here are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him that sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Verse 14, And the four beasts said, the four creatures said, Amen. That means let it be so. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. What a story. What a, what a testimony. If we remember what happened in the early part of chapter 5. John began to weep because no one was worthy to open that book. It was sealed. And they looked everywhere and no one was worthy. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps forward. Amen. And he takes that scroll from God, who was seated on the throne. And the Bible says as Jesus took that scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb. They couldn't do anything else but fall down. And all these heavenly beings worshipped the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. The same way back in chapter 4 that worshipped the one on the throne. And they acknowledged the deity of Christ. And the Bible says each one of them had a harp they held. And those hearts will be used for the music, for the new song that we're going to sing. You talk about a choir. You talk about heavenly praise. And in this chapter, there are three hymns of praise. And the Bible tells us this first new song was sung by the 24 elders and the four living creatures now, I know we read they, but they goes back to verse 7 and 8. In verse 11 and 12, John says all of a sudden, there were countless angels joining in on the song. And then John said in verse 13, every creature, every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, they began to sing the song. Folks, this is nothing less than a celebration of salvation. Amen. We have something to celebrate. And worship ought to be a celebration every time we come. Because God through Christ has done so much for us. And the one worthy, the only one worthy, Jesus Christ. His worthiness comes from his self-sacrifice. He laid his life down to redeem us back to God. And because he is worthy, he was able to take the scroll 
from God the Father and break open those seals. Now, you know what I find interesting here? When Jesus steps out and reaches for that scroll, God doesn't draw back. He gives it to him. For he alone is worthy. So all of a sudden, a song breaks out in heaven. The 24 elders, the four living creatures, they begin to sing because they're giving praise for the work of Christ. So why is he worthy? He's worthy because he was killed, crucified. He was worthy because he ransomed us with his own blood. He is worthy because he gathered people from every tribe and every language and every nation into his kingdom. All are welcome to come. He is worthy because he made them priests. He is worthy because he appoints us to reign on this earth. So while our worship now may be confrontational, they may despise us. They will mock us for our faith. But my friend, do you know tonight that one of these days we're going to rule and reign on this earth? And no matter what we go through, sorry, Brother Rick, I'm going to borrow from your song tonight, through it all, he's worthy. He is worthy. Our God has ransomed people from every tribe from every language, from every people and nation. And the good news is the message of salvation and eternal life is not just for one culture, one race, or one country. Anyone who comes to God in repentance and faith will be accepted by Him and will become a part of His kingdom. And the fact alone to me that Jesus welcomes everyone, all people, into his kingdom. For that fact alone, he is worthy of our praise and worship. So yes, it's intentional. It is volitional. It is personal. But it can also be confrontational. But my friend, I want to remind you tonight... Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let's stand together. My goodness. Is he worthy tonight, folks? Amen. Worthy of our worship. Man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for coming tonight.